Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to Stupidity, home of the greatest media mind ever to walk the planet. Okay, so here's the deal. He's a true icon in every sense of the word. He's loved and feared. More than any being to grace this planet. There's two guys. There's a man with a voice that sounds like Barry White and Beyonce had a Jewish baby. God himself would pay $39.99 for a cameo. Fact of the matter is, you are about to embark on a transcendent experience that can only be described as psychological nudity. This is Stu Goss, and this is Stupidity. Here we go, Jim. Welcome into another episode of Stupidity, the biggest podcast in the world, thanks to you. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Unsubscribe, resubscribe, re-rate, re-review. By doing that, you have made us the biggest podcast in the world. We are brought to you by our friends over at DraftKings. We're very excited this week, Mikey A. We have a great Stupidity with Dan Shaughnessy. We have a great, not good. A great God bless football. Uh, how about that? We're going to have Andy Reid on this week. <laughs> the hell out of here. The hell out of Time's yours. <laughs> uh, well, listen, the only reason we're getting them is because of Gullick. I mean. <laughs> I don't care what we get from him. All I really want to hear is him sit down completely out of breath to start the interview and say, time's yours. Because that's how we started every press conference. And I cut like <laughs> hundreds of them back when I was a PA. And that's how he starts everyone. I just want to hear it one time. The only, thing I, the only thing I want to know about Andy Reid is if he and his wife ever had a picnic at Arrowhead. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you is, trying to say the fork was his? <laughs> which per, I'm not saying anything, but perhaps that's the reason there is um, I might not be allowed to partake in the interview. I mean... <laughs> I mean, this is like a goalie deal. Listen, I got Andy Reid on. It's a goalie deal. A couple of friends cutting it up. I ain't one of their friends, all right? It dawned me very quickly. Golik has a different set of friends than I have. He and I are friends, okay? But just like we're not <laughs> – there is no friends by association. Just because Golik is good friends with Andy Reid does not mean Andy Reid's good friends with me, even though I'd like to think that we are. I don't know. What what does Andy Reid bring to a picnic? You have Andy Reid over on a potluck type thing. What does Andy Reid bring? Oh, that is a he doesn't bring the wine, the vino. No, I, I, no. I think he, he leaves that to someone else and he doesn't care if there is wine. Like he just wants a soda. Um he brings two two liters of Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> 
and ribs. <laughs> yeah, ribs. <laughs> it's just on to me why I might not be able to partake. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even care at this point. At this phase of my career, if Andy Reid wants to sit around with Mike Golick and the two of them just cut it up and I don't have to do any work and it airs on something that belongs to me, I'm good. There you go. <laughs> I'm good. As long as Golan's good, I'm good. And as long as you're good and Billy's good, I'm good. We good? Good. <laughs> All right, everyone's good. Uh, we're going to have Dan Shaughnessy on. Uh, Life with Larry Bird Celtics. Wish it lasted forever. Uh, I'm going to make fun of Dan Shaughnessy because I think this is the third book he's written about the Celtics in the 80s. And I maintain that he can write five more and all of them will land on the New York Times bestseller list. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. There's no, like he had to write this during the pandemic because there was nothing else to do. And he knows in that city, Shaughnessy is one of the great journalists we have in America. He is. He's been on our show before with me and Levitard. He's fantastic. But man, did he luck out geographically? Because what I am telling you is, this man can fire up a Celtics 80s book, whatever he wants, and he will make millions of dollars. He can write five more of them, Mike. Uh, <laughs> with the same stories in different chapters. Yes, yes. yes. With the same title. <laughs> Not like, I, I'm telling you, the same exact stories. You're right. Changes the chapters around. Same title. All right. Maybe one time you release it, you know, paperback. The next time you do a hard copy, I have both of them in my hand right now. <laughs> one where Larry's defending, one where Larry's shooting, one oh, where Larry's at a press conference on the cover. It's 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 like an ATM. It really is. <laughs> so I am wondering, Mike, before we get to Shaughnessy, who I like a lot, uh, and I will make fun of him for this, what other markets have that, where they have a team that the local, you know, the local writer can write about them anytime they want, and they can they can find themselves on the New York Times bestseller list. So let's just say this is Shaughnessy's third something book. I'm not certain yes. that it is, but all three are about the '80s somethings. Okay, and so what I'm wondering is, wow. we, well, listen, we certainly don't have it down here in Miami. Like the undefeated season, that's it. Greg Cody wrote the last book on it. All right. And it's like 10,000th on Amazon right now. <laughs> like, people are done with the, with the undefeated Dolphins. You have a market? Because I maintain it's Boston. You can write about the Red Sox. You can write about these Patriots. Uh, you can write about probably the Bruins. Um, and you can certainly write about the Celtics. So if you're a writer in Boston, you've got it made. You can fire up a book whenever you want. What do you got? Uh, all right. So immediately came to mind was the Super Bowl winning – Super Bowl one. Packers. Okay. So you maintain whoever's writing in Green Bay can fire up a book about those Packer teams, whatever yes. they want, and they will find themselves in the New York Times bestseller list. I'll take it one step further. They can write a book about Favre. They can write a book about Rodgers. They can write a book about that entire era. They can do whatever, and they will sell it out in five seconds. Okay. okay. Green Bay is an excellent one by you, Mike. 85 Bears. That's pretty good. The 85 Bears, and then anything about Roger Federer because of hashtag Team Fed. You're right. You might want to fact check this, but I feel like Rick Tallender has written 17 books about the 85 Bears. (laughs) And I bet they were all bestsellers. I would too if I were him. He wrote about each individual bear on the team. (laughs) (laughs) The long snapper one is coming out next week. (laughs) 
What about the fridge? What about the long snapper? What about, what about Jim McMahon? What about Walter Payton's? Uh, he could write an entire book about Willie Galt and it would sell out in five seconds. <laughs> Wide receiver for the, uh, for the Chicago Bears in the 80s. Any other teams? I'm thinking UCLA probably, the wooden time, <laughs> Coach K, Duke perhaps. Um, no one's still buying wooden books except for Bill Walton, right? I mean, <laughs> Am I allowed to say Notre Dame? Am I allowed to say that? With I mean, I prefer, I prefer you not. <laughs> I won't. I didn't say anything. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, <laughs> even those hurricane teams of the 80s, we don't care about sports enough down here where, you know, Dan could fire up. Well, Dan would probably find himself in the New York Times bestseller list because he's Dan. But if Cody wrote that book, <laughs> I'm not certain <laughs> how it goes. Yeah, but uh, you'd also read that book for a different. You'd you'd read that book for all the other stuff. You would right. you would skip over the pages about on the field, and you just want to read about all the stuff they were getting into off the field, all the all the cocaine and all the all the parties. <laughs> how about the dream team? Now, nah, probably not. It's nah. probably. How about those? Uh, how about the first? How about the Heat? LeBron, Wade, Bosch. No one's written a book about that yet. I don't think someone will. About the Jordan Bulls. How are we missing the Jordan oh, Bulls? That's it. That's it. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. Done. That's Done. It. Done. <laughs> Talender has written 17 books on the 85 Bears, and he is about to start up his 16th book on the 90s Bulls. <laughs> Let's get to Dan Shaughnessy, who was on his seventh book about Larry Bird and the Celtics. Stu Gouts here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So, what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Listen, for me, it's simple. When I'm sitting around with friends, with family, we're at concerts, we're watching the Knicks finally win for the first time in 30 years, we're laughing, we're having a great time, we do it with ice cold Miller Lite. So we have, always will. Miller Lite keeps it simple, undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash stew, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Hiring again? ZipRecruiter finds top talent for you. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash StuPod. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Dan Shaughnessy is with us, a legendary journalist, columnist, writer uh, up in Boston. He has, uh, He's good friends. And uh, Dan, would you classify yourself as a good friend of my co-host, Dan Levitard? Good friends? We've never had a harsh word. I really, I really like his talent. You know, I just, cause again, we miss guys that were really great writers. I, I miss not seeing him in, you know, in print more. I know it's out there, but you know, when he was, when he was, uh, you know, rocking at the Miami Herald and those were good days and the stuff for ESPN magazine. I just, I was kind of a fanboy for him and, you know, we got to do a few things together and, and really like his, like his stuff. Uh, once you get to know him, though. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Shaughnessy with us. He has a new book out, Wish It Lasted Forever, Life with the Larry Bird Celtics. This is right in my wheelhouse. Grew up in the 80s. Lakers and Celtics, Bird and Magic, fantastic stuff. So, Dan, we'll start here. I'd ask you, why now in 2021 did you decide to write this book? 
Well, I think, you know, a lot of people thought with the pandemic and all, there was going to be a lot of babies born. No, 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 not babies. You're going to get books out of the pandemic, you know, because everybody is like home, nothing to do. And, um, and, and you can reach people. It's a weird time. Like you can call LeBron James or you can call anybody and they're home because, you know, no one's going anywhere. So it was a good period there. I had a gang of people in my house. We have two uh, married daughters with, with five little children. I mean, four and under. Wow. And um, so it was chaos here. And I just locked myself in my office and my, my agent was like, Hey, you've been telling these Celtic stories in bars for the last 40 years. Why don't you make a book out of that? So I did. And, you know, it was kind of brought out by the, the whole Orlando bubble. First of all, we're, we're watching the last dance every, every night and every Sunday night. Mm. And, you know, it became a must see TV. And I kept, you know, thinking about those days, the eighties, cause I covered the Celtics every day for four years when bird was at his height, you know, the MVP three times. And, and then, you know, locally, they would show the 86 Celtics, the 84 Celtic Lakers and ESPN 30 for 30. And I keep seeing my goofy, you know, 28 year old self with the giant Michael Caine glasses sitting at the press table and, you know, right there, right behind him. And just remembering how great that was and what great access we had. And and then you have the Orlando bubble in, in 2020. And those guys who covered it, it cost like fifty five thousand dollars to send a reporter to that. And they had to sign a waiver saying they would not interact with any player or coach if they saw him away from the court. Well, that's all we did was interact with them because we traveled with them. We lived with them, rode buses, waited for bags, flew commercial, hotels, bars, all that stuff. So it was an access that that you're never going to get again. And we were able to tell the readers what they were like. And it's nobody's fault now, but like here in Boston, they can't tell you what Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum were like because they just they can't get near him. There's a moat. Right. And uh, this was the days before the moat. It was also great basketball, watching the passing and you know the inside out way they played. And so I just said, well, hell, we'll just put those stories down. That's what you got. Why uh, Why do you wish it lasted forever? Why did it not last forever? You know, that's – well, we, we're the old – I'm the old guy, you know, get off my lawn guy, so we can't we can't bitch and moan about how, how great it used to be. I'm but getting yeah, there, Dan. I mean, I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was it was just a time that's never going to be replicated. And, you know, I mean, we would literally, like, be out in the court shooting baskets before they came out for practice because they practiced at a small facility at – a Greek, uh, a Greek Orthodox college, you know, the red found a place secluded. No one could find. And there was, there were no I don't know, fans or groupies, or there was no attention paid to this. So you'd just be out there shooting around Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish walk out. And you'd be shooting around with them. And then Casey Jones blow the whistle and star practice. And we'd take our spot on the sideline and, and then wait for the bus to where we were going next. It was just a different time. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And when I was calling around, Walton said that, Walton, you know, Walton talks about everything with, you know, everything's hyperbole. It's the greatest hamburger I've ever eaten. You know, everything's like that with him. So he was like, that was the greatest time of my life. The Celtics saved my life. And I wish it could last forever. I said, well, there's the title. I love you morphing into like a fake Bill Walton there. You can't help it when you're around him. Even my kids do it now. It's just because all the players do it. Mikhail does a great one. And, you know, he when he came on board in 85, it just it changed everything. And it was it was hilarious. And and when I interviewed Bill, he said something to me. I don't think any any anyone I've covered ever said. He said, empty the thesaurus when you write this, Dan. You can say anything you want. We'll sign on to it. <laughs> Dan, I had Bill Walton on this podcast and I will tell you, I didn't ask him a single question. No, he no. came on. He was singing Don't Ease Me In by The Grateful Dead. He went on a 25-minute diatribe about the dead, and then I let him go afterwards. <laughs> that was it. It was the whole interview. Yeah, it's the easiest thing ever. Just just turn on the turn on the machine and let him go. And, and you know, we and we love him for it because 
I don't know, you're kind of young to know this, but when he was in college and, and early days in Portland, we were all kind of afraid of him. He's kind of a mystical figure and he had the ponytail and he was smoking dope and he was a little bit unapproachable. And he had that stutter and he, he was shy about that. And, uh, and man, now you can't shake him. You can't lose the guy. You know, he's all over the place and he's, he's never been busier than he is now. And, and he's doing great stuff and he's riding his bike on the John Muir trail. And he's all over the place. So I'm, I'm very happy for him. Wish it lasted forever. Life with the Larry Bird Celtics. Dan Shaughnessy, the author, joins us on stupidity. So I'm wondering, what was life like with Larry Bird Celtics? You know, it, I was slow out of the gate because Larry doesn't trust new people. And I understood that. We're almost the same age. I grew up in a very small town. I wasn't as poor as him, but I didn't have much. I played high school basketball. I wasn't as good as him. I was a bench guy. And right. I just felt, you know, as as I was hanging around enough that he he grew to trust me a little bit and, and, you know, appreciate that. And, and it was good. And, you know, he liked having beers. You know, there's a select group of guys. Quinn Buckner was one of his guys drink beer with, uh, you know, Mikhail a little bit, not Danny Ainge, of course, had the Mormon thing going on. Rick Roby was a big running mate who they ended up trading because of that. And they acquired Dennis Johnson worked out pretty well, but so Larry was just that guy. And it took a while to, to gain his trust. And, and in my case, I never fully did. He would, you know, they called me scoop. And he was he noticed everything and they didn't quite trust me because I, I wrote what I knew and that was not always in, in their advantage. And he'd say, uh, Scoop, when you come in the locker room, you ever notice how quiet it gets in here? And uh, I'd say, yeah, I, I get that. You know, so he was he was kind of giving me the jab there. Like, we don't trust you. You're not one of us. And and you're not supposed to be. That's fine. So I it was always kind of a you know push pull relationship. But, you know. At the end of the day, deep down, I knew he liked me and he noticed a lot of a lot of things with the we only had three or four writers with the team and and he kind of understood what our job was. And he was very reluctant at the beginning of his career. If anybody wrote about his dad's suicide or his, his failed first marriage or just the poverty that he grew up in. But he grew to feel more secure in that. And he told me once, he said, I don't care what they write as long as it's true. And uh, and, you know, we, we tested that a few times down the road. But. Ultimately, I, I think we're okay. Dan, how do you how do you mend that kind of relationship? How do you gain that trust with a guy like Larry Bird? Well, again, it was slow out of the gate. I, I remember the first time we were at a the Celtics were staying at a Holiday Inn when they played the Cavs. It was it was near the Richfield Coliseum. I mean, they would not stay in a dump like this today. This is another thing from the sort of then and now theme of this. So we're in this Holiday Inn out near Richfield, Ohio where the, when it snows, like the, the, the flakes come in through the seams of the window and the curtains are fluttering and it's just, the place was a dump and, you know, there's no, no mini bars, just a, you know, vending machine in the lobby. Like, like you'd have, if you were playing high school ball and you were traveling around. So we're at this dumpy bar and he was with Quinn Buckner at one end of the bar and I was at the other, nobody else in the place. And I sent a round of beers down and, and he rejected them, you know, cause I was the new guy and I wasn't to be trusted. So <laughs> I asked Quinn, I asked Quinn Buckner about it when I was researching the book. He says, yeah, that was about control. He didn't want to be owing you anything. He didn't want to be beholden to you. So he was he was setting the boundaries right there. And that's how he was. He was smart then. He's smart now. And I understood that. You know, fast forward, he was one of the cheapest bastards you've ever known. And, and that was what everybody came to, to kind of know and love about him. But it was a couple of times when he got a little warmer. And at the end of the night, he'd say, you know, I, I'd get my wallet out. He'd say, I got this scoop. And it was like a total eclipse of the sun, man. When Larry Bird reached for his wallet, we never saw anything like that. So uh, you, you, you knew you were okay then. But it was just, there weren't that many people around and they weren't that famous and they weren't 
like, again, isolated because of the, the money and the fame and security and charters. And there was none of that. It was just complete immersion exposure. And we were part of their of their traveling unit. But Dan, no one likes the cheap guy. Like you're saying, that's part of Larry Bird, the charm, all that stuff. Like no one likes the cheap guy in the group. Like you, you could know? tease, but you tease him about it. And he he was like every I don't know what pool hustlers are like, but if, if there was one for basketball, he was that guy. I mean, he'd be in the he'd be in practice. Everything was always the gym, no matter if it was at the Pontiac Silverdome. He called it the gym, and we'd be on the gym. And wherever he was standing, he'd look at the hoop. He'd look at you and say, "Shoot for money." So it meant dollar and if he made it you owed him a dollar if he missed it he paid you a dollar later and he started doing this he was banking three pointers toward the end of his career or toward the, the height of his career i should say and uh the next trainer came up and said come on what are you doing here he was, he was doing it in practice before the game and he said i'm going to do that in the game if you give me 10 bucks and uh and the guy said okay so Sure enough, late in the game, they're killing the Knicks, and Larry Banks in a three-pointer, and he he runs by the trainer with his hand out on the way back down the floor. I mean, he, he was playing shoot for money during the game, and uh, we had a shooting, we had a free throw contest. He took me for one hundred and sixty dollars uh, in nineteen eighty-five. Wow! And it was you know I did expense it, and I can tell you that the the, IR, the IRS frowns on the word wager on an expense account, so we had to make it eight twenty-dollar lunches with Robert Parrish and. And, uh, and, and probably happy we, we, we sat and sailed through. Right. You also didn't say it was Robert Parrish because Larry Bird wasn't buying you 20 lunches. So like, uh, correct. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't spend any time with you. And oddly enough, Chief hated me too, but that's another story. Uh, damn, why are you hated some? I'm joking. But listen, I am wondering how much money did you hand over to Larry Bird during his playing career? Well, the 160, it, it, was, a, <laughs> it was a unique event. It was his idea because he had tape on his hand in practice. and Right. I was challenging his ability to do that in a game. And, and he said, I could take my whole hand and make more free throws than you. And, and he did. It was, we took a hundred free throws and he made like 85 or something with his tan balled up in a fist. And I, I was choking and seeing $5 bills flying through the air every time I missed one. So he, he got me, but he, this is how, I mean, the guys made, you know, millions of dollars. I don't know, tens, hundreds of millions, but I did a radio show with him when he was coaching the Pacers. This is like, I don't know, 15, 20 years later. And uh, he, in the middle of the show, I asked him something about why would he come back and coach? He doesn't need the money and everything. And he said, Scoop, all I know is I got $160 extra dollars in my pocket. He remembered the exact <laughs> figure that he took me for because that's how important it is to him. And uh, I, I kind of secretly admire that. And I, I took it home to my own family. I'd, I'd pull into the driveway and my six-year-old son would be holding the ball and say, shoot for money. And that's what we did. Oh, my gosh. Folks. Gather around. Everyone gather around. Listen to these words. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers, listen to me. You bet just five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code DAN. That's code DAN for new customers. And you get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. That's insane. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Wish it lasted forever. Life with the Larry Bird Celtics. The author Dan Sean is with us here on Stupidity. If you were trying to explain Larry Bird's game to someone, like kids these days, Dan, they think if they've, see, they've seen LeBron, they've seen it all, okay? Yeah. And they have it. So if you were trying to explain Larry Bird's game to a kid who had never seen Larry Bird play, uh, how would you explain it? Well, it's a little bit like Bobby Orr. You have to see the video. I mean, because people think, well, you know, the game's faster now and it's bigger, stronger, everybody's better. But if you see the video, you, you sort of come back to that and, and you realize what the differences were. It was it was like that thing with, with special players, seeing things in slow motion, seeing things ahead of time, seeing the whole floor, knowing where everybody is. And uh, and the passing was just was just phenomenal. That's why when Walton came on board, it was really special. I mean, you know, Steph Curry, a lot of guys can make that long shot now, and they didn't take many back in the old days. And Larry won the first three three point contests that they ever held. But so he had that long range game. He was very strong, a great rebounder. He was farm boy strong, and uh, got a lot done for again a six nine white guy who wasn't particularly uh, fast or a great leaper. I, I talked to him about that stuff like. You know, didn't he get intimidated by the, you know, the pogo sticks, the James Worthies of the world and just guys. And and he said he'd never felt that on a basketball court. He said, you know, if guys tried to get in his head, he just talked so much trash to them. And and by the end of the game, he owned them. And it's it's all there on video. And, you know, Reggie Miller came along later. There's there's a lot of examples of that. And he had the the complex about. In Indiana, there's, there's a structure like he's from rural southern Indiana and they, they shit on them in the north. They're like Indianapolis and whatnot. Bloomington, they, they, they don't think the ball's as good down where he's from. So the fact that Knight came down and recruited him was a big tribute to rural southern Indiana. And then, of course, you know, he, he leaves Indiana, goes to Indiana State, which was, again, everybody dumps on them. They end up in the final four undefeated against Magic's team. And uh, for the rest of his career, whenever he would face these big 10 guys, Kent Benson from Indiana, Phil Hubbard from Michigan, you know, he would he would abuse them just to to get even and to show that, you know, hey, you know, my conference with Mid Valley, whatever the hell it was, you know, is as good as the Big Ten and we're good, we're good ballers too. And and go screw you guys with all your blue chip pedigrees and all this stuff. He he never got past that. And uh and and he was never intimidated on a court. And he was able to work his magic against guys that, that did have far better, you know, athletic skills than he did. But uh, once he got out there, man, he, he saw everything in slow motion and he knew where all, they, all the other players were. And it was just magic. 
in terms of competitiveness, in terms of memory, not forgetting, wanted to make people pay, he had like like there was some Michael Jordan there, or Michael Jordan had some Larry Bird in him, you know. It was, and and you know he, he the trash talking because again we sat in those days right next to the bench, we heard a lot, and there yeah. was that night against you know Julius Serving, and you know, Larry never could have done this when Julius was in his prime, but the way that they came to ball and the ages they were, Julius was near the end when Larry was at the height. And there was a night at the garden and Larry's like, get somebody else out here. You can't guard me, old man. And back and <laughs> forth. And he, he had like, I don't know, 35 or 40 in the third quarter. And Doc was like one for nine. And, and he had, Doc had had enough. And there's a famous picture. It's in the book, but he's they're at each other's throats. And there was one that Larry would never sign. He was embarrassed by it. And, you know, I think Barkley held him back. He got hit in the nuts during the, the scrum there. And he wasn't happy about that. He was, it went against the Indiana code of fair fighting. And, um, <laughs> He uh, the trash talking was was at another level. And guys will tell you, he would he would tell opponents, you know, you better you better get on me because when this ball's inbounded, I'm going to do this, this, this. And then he would do this, this and this and just laugh at him going back down the floor. It was amazing. It was hard to believe. Do you have a favorite story of Larry Bird talking trash? Like, do you have a favorite Larry Bird trash talking? Oh, boy. Um, He didn't back down. I'm trying to think uh, because that whole team like Maxwell, ML Carr. Yeah. Even Dennis Johnson, to a degree, such a McHale, fun team. To a degree, yeah. They they all could do it. I'll have to circle something in this okay. and come back to you on that one. Okay, no problem. Uh, how do you think Larry Bird would fare in today's NBA? Again, he's still six nine, and he's still strong, and he can rebound. And at, at the time he played, everybody was faster and jumped higher. So I, I'm saying it translates into today's. There's some guys that don't. I mean, hey, you know, I mean. Bob Cousy, you know, six one white guard from nineteen fifty seven MVP. That's a little hard to do. I mean, you know, we had Stockton, and, and you get guys, but that's harder to translate. But a six nine uh, shooting forward who can rebound, uh, I think that I think that skill set still translates when you've got the kind of court vision he had and the shooting skills he had. And could pass. Uh, wish it lasted forever. Life with the Larry Bird Celtics. Uh, Dan Shaughnessy available wherever you get your books. By the way, Dan Shaughnessy. Uh, is with us. Um, I am wondering here, in Boston, because I grew up and I swore there will never be a more popular athlete than Larry Bird in the history of Boston sports. And perhaps I'm wrong. And perhaps I was wrong then and I'm wrong now. Did Tom Brady ever eclipse his popularity in the city of Boston? Did anyone? I mean, the only two that, that you can get into the conversation is Orr, who's a little bit ahead of him, and that's a short career. I mean, the, the greatness there was short, but hot, we're a big hockey village here and, and all yeah, that. Of course. And then Brady, of course, because, you know, the, how football became so popular and, you know, nine Super Bowls, you know, winning six of them and the 20 year reign. I'm going to I'm going to say. But I, I'll tell you this. It, it's like, you know, we have these metrics now and you, I write for the Boston Globe for a thousand years and they can quantify everything. And and if I write about Larry Bird, it still gets the most eyeballs Amazing. of anything. Amazing. And and that's, you know, Brady's a lot, Orr's a lot. And, you know, we're not writing about Orr and, and, and Bird like like we are Brady all the time still. But I got to say, uh, I, I think I, I'd say Brady because of the, I mean, six championships and playing NFL football at the time he did. Uh, it's so popular, you know, with the betting and the fantasy and all of that game. But I'll tell you, the Celtic craze of the 80s, um, it, it was real. Every game was sold out. It was must-see TV. They would they would bump the State of the Union address and put it later on on TV. And just 
people had to see them and, and, and they, they still love them to this day. And, you know, there's a lot of the old guys, you know, we're, we're all saying, Oh, the NBA was better when back those days. And, you know, I've got to be careful not to do too much of that. Cause then you really sound like the get off my long guy. Yeah, but it was. You and I know. Yeah, I know. Yes, it was. I'm wondering, Dan, if Larry Bird ends up with the Lakers and Magic ends up with the Celtics, how much different do you think all this is? (laughs) Yeah, you know, Larry, that was actually, as Larry warmed up, that was asked one year when we were on the West Coast trip. And uh, and he, Larry answered it. And, you know, he kind of said it'd probably be easier for Magic to come to come to us than for me to, to be there. And I think he knew. I think I know what that meant. You know, they were. They were, you know, they were strict, strictly a running, you know, aerial circus and up and down the floor and and just the showtime and all that. Larry wasn't about the showtime thing. And, you know, Magic was was about showtime, but he was also such a great passer, make all, all of his teammates better. I, you know, Larry really thought Magic's skills maybe translated better to that team than his over there. That's that's was his answer. So I'll stick with that. All right. That's fair. Uh, I'm just wondering, just fast forwarding to today's uh, Celtics. Um Danny, like in the overall here, Dan, because there was a time not too long ago where the team you wanted to be was the Boston Celtics. They had young talent. They had draft capital. Brad Stevens was so enamored by being their head coach. He left a great situation in college to come be their head coach, and now he's upstairs as he's replaced Danny H. Did Danny H screw this up? Well, you know, there was a lot of victory laps here with, with the drafting and the trading and the hoarding of picks. And then, you know, getting Brown and Tatum for basically a washed up Paul Pierce and Garnett at the end, you know, a big swindle and then not taking faults and, and waiting for Tatum. And those were like our back kind of moves. And then yes. they were in the, they got to the conference finals three times in four years. So it looked like, and they had a team with Brown, Tatum, you know, Kyrie Irving and Hayward and, and a younger Al Horford. I mean, they were yeah. kind of, it looked, it, it just, it, it turned the wrong way. And yeah. to this point where, they're going to be scuffling in the seven, eight, nine region for the playoffs. And, and it doesn't look great with the first 10% of the season played. And I don't know. So, uh, you know, you can make that case, what you just said, you can make that case. I, I think Danny's a good evaluator of talent and he doesn't really care what we say about him. So, you know, he'd, he'd happily answer that for you. And then he'd tell you, no, but, uh, the jury's out on that and they got to find out what, what kind of winners and, and hearts they got in Brown and Tatum, who are now five and six years into the league respectively. It's funny because you forget about the Hayward injury that happened. I think his first yeah. team was a Celtic, right? So maybe things would have been a lot different. What was it like covering Kyrie Irving? What was it like having him around that team? Uh, well, again, nothing like now because we don't know who they are. But he was so he was such a you know self-important and just I don't know troubled or you know there's a lot going on in his head. I don't even want to know what's going on in his head. But uh, and I, I didn't like it then. You know, he was into the flat Earth thing when he was here and. Mm-hmm. A lot of that nonsense and just uh i don't understand it we we never really saw i don't know I, I think there was he didn't seem to get along with his teammates didn't really want to be here they had to do a lot of catering to him it, it was a bad mix and and of course the jersey thing i can't imagine what durant harden are, are thinking right now especially oh. durant you know, he got him there and then yep. and now he's not playing i mean that, all, that nonsense it didn't fly here and it wasn't going to, but the people, you know, who were close to it and, you know, like a guy like Cedric Maxwell would say, this guy's got the best handle I've ever seen. And I've seen everybody and, you know, this guy's got it. So I, I, I believe in that it's legit. His talent's legit. He also doesn't have a championship or anything close to it without LeBron James. <laughs> you can tell, you can tell Cedric <laughs> I said that. Okay. <laughs> um, 
Wish it lasted forever. Life with the Larry Bird Celtics. Dan Shaughnessy is with us. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you out of here on two notes, real quick. Okay, the media shift where you had access to these guys back in the '80s, and now it's a struggle to even get to know Kyrie yeah. Irving. Why? Because Kyrie doesn't need you, Dan. He doesn't need nope. me. He doesn't need anyone. He's got Instagram. He's got social media yep. platforms. How have you dealt with that shift? Uh, because I know talking to Levitard. It's tricky. It's been difficult uh, from going from having the access to the athletes no longer needing you guys anymore. Yeah, I mean, the, the incentive to give up is there, and, and I kind of have, and I'm, I've done enough of this. I, I don't need to be you know, groveling, waiting around for a couple words from Kyrie. I can, I can take my shots from a distance. It doesn't feel – it felt more honest when you're in their face every day and you're in the clubhouse locker room the next day, and if they want to give you crap back, you know, you got to take it. But what we wrote was important then. It mattered. People cared about it. And there's way less of that now. Our, our, our impact is so diminished. And that's okay. It's evolution. I'm not, not going to bay at the moon about that. I'm glad I got to do it at the time I did it. Sure. I don't fight the way it's evolved. And I understand that the motivation for them to cooperate now is not there. I understand that. So I'm, I feel blessed that I got to do it when it did matter. And they did care. And Larry Bird, get, I wrote about that that fight with the Sixers. He was pissed the next day. He's like, Scoop, you can't write that. The people, it matters what you say to the people in Boston, man. I was getting held back. They hit me in the nuts. You know, you didn't write that. I didn't instigate that. I mean, it, it really hurt him. It mattered to him. And right. now they wouldn't even see it. They wouldn't care. I mean, listen, we had a guy on who talked about how much me and Dan did recently about how much weed Kyrie and KD was smoking. And, like, no one cared. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kyrie didn't care. Uh, last question for you. Uh, you mentioned, did, did you say you had two daughters then? Uh, yes, I have uh, two daughters and one son. They're adults, you know, adults. Okay, and the two daughters are married though, right? Two married daughters, five grandchildren, all that stuff. Oh, my God. So as the father of twin daughters who are 17 years old, who are about to, uh, who are about to go on to uh, college, uh, my question for you, well, I have two questions. Empty nesting, what's it like? That's number one. And then the follow-up to that is, what was it like giving your daughters away? Not that I'm thinking oh. about it, but I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And and um, I know you're a coach as well. And so, yes. you know, I, I never get into that. But they were, we had a junior in city. They were one year apart, 14 months apart. And so they were very competitive and in each other's face. So I don't know if you had this when you were in high school. They have the junior-senior game when they're in high school. Yes. You know, it's like, yeah. it, so, and they did get all, you know, They'd have a junior senior, a junior senior touch football game for the girls, teenage girls, and yeah, they'd wear the war paint. They'd have theme songs and come out there marching around and and all styling. And they got league league officials to come in and officiate the the junior senior touch football game. And they were trying to rein in the drinking and not have too much fist fights and all this stuff. But my daughters were mutually ejected from the junior senior game by the officials who did not know they were related for fighting during the junior senior game. Love it. I was like the commissioner at the army Navy game, sitting on a different half, each half, the whole thing like that. And <laughs> quite embarrassing to have that, but it was a, you know, we were lucky jackpot, both married, great guys. They have five grandchildren. The empty nesting, do not worry about that. Cause they, they never leave. That's why I wrote this. Book. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I had, I mean, last during the, during the pandemic, one, one family with two children under four, was selling their house and buying a house. So they, they transitioned here. The other family was doing construction during the pandemic and had to shut down because of the dust in the house and three boys aged age three and under. So I had 11 people in my house, five babies, four years and under, all living here. That's why I wrote the book. I was locked away during the pandemic with all these crying babies downstairs. Holy shit, Mikey, I love that Shaughnessy. <laughs> they never leave. They always come back because they need money. So what do yeah. I do? I write a Larry Bird book. <laughs> Boom. 
<laughs> gets, me, gets me away and gets me money. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Ah, uh, wish it lasted forever. Wow, I feel better, Dan. Thank you. I feel so much better. Happy to happy to help. <laughs> no, I really do. Thank you. Yeah, the be fact, fine. Now that I know they never leave, I feel I feel a million times better because I don't want them to leave. Uh, why? Uh, wish it lasted forever. Life with the Larry Bird Celtics, one of the great writers we have and journalists uh, in America, Dan Shaughnessy, with us, Dan. Appreciate the time. Uh, I will tell Levitard you said hello, and uh, much luck with the book, man. I hope. Uh, well, listen, I have no doubt it will do well because Larry Bird in Boston yeah. always does well. Yeah. Thank you, Stugatz. You got it, man. All right, Mike. I really enjoyed that. Shaughnessy is excellent. He's a great journalist. He's a great writer. He's one of the best we have as journalism dies a very slow death. Dan Shaughnessy is still out there. He's still getting it done. Okay. Him and Bob Wright. Levitar realized 20 years ago, hey, uh, that thing that lands on you on your front lawn every day. <laughs> That's not it's not gonna exist uh anytime. It's not gonna exist much longer. Uh, I'm climbing into the circus tent with a guy named Stugatz. <laughs> That's what he realized. <laughs> but Sean has he never had to do that because he could fire up a Celtics and he, he acknowledged it himself, Mike. Yeah. That you can write an 80 Celtics book whenever you want and you're gonna sell it out. I mean it's uh, it's absolutely amazing. Do you think his his wife or his kids, you know, his kids are like, hey, I'm getting married. You have to pay for the wedding. He's like, oh, guess I'll just bang out another 80 Celtics book and pay for that. Wouldn't you? I mean, uh, of course I would. I wish I had that kind of you know reputation to do that. <laughs> I would start doing them like we were saying earlier in the open. Uh, I would start now doing them about individuals. Like, give me a book about the chief. Give me a book about Kevin McHale. Give me an Ainge book. Give me a Dennis Johnson book. All of those. Lands <laughs> in the New York Times bestseller list. I mean, the guy is a is a, is a fucking gold mine. That's what it is. Uh, he acknowledged it uh, himself. So anyway, while we were doing that interview, Rick Tollender wrote another book about the 85 Bears. What about the Bears? And he's halfway through a 92-season Chicago Bulls <laughs> book. <laughs> examining the Jordan Pippen relationship from the 90th time. Yes. Yes. Someone in Chicago should do which this is the book right now. Yes. Here in Chicago. Uh, <laughs> Who would win in a seven game series? The Bulls team that won the first three championships or the Bulls team that won the second three championships. How about that? You would get people in Chicago so mad trying to argue with each other about it. Yeah, but I, let me tell you, they would line up down the street uh, for telling their book signing for that. Okay, <laughs> like, <they> would. <laughs> Who do you think Jordan would pick? <laughs> if there was one that didn't have Scottie Pippen on it, that would be the one that he picked. Unfortunately, he doesn't have one of those. He'd pick the Wizards. <laughs> Stupidity. <laughs> Stugatz here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So, what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Listen, for me, it's simple. 
When I'm sitting around with friends, with family, we're at concerts, we're watching the Knicks finally win for the first time in 30 years, we're laughing, we're having a great time, we do it with ice cold Miller Lights. Always have, always will. Miller Lite keeps it simple, undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer.